Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, an episode that was beset with technical difficulties. So much that we lost the first portion of the podcast episode, and it was just too rough to recover. However, I think that you're going to enjoy our deep dive into glass and cheese. So without any further ado, this is Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. We'll join it already in progress. Well, it'll be interesting to find out if that's a luck of the draw or or if... Well, it's luck of the draw one way or the other. Either you and me, Tony, have just gotten really lucky or Roland has gotten unlucky. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic because, uh, yeah, I was getting real tired of how many werebeasts I would have. So looking for strategies in that and kind of pulling my hair out now it's like, hey, that bomb seems to be gone for now, so that's cool. Gotta tell you, though, werebeasts in some ways are easier to deal with than zombies because, you know, they leave. Yeah, I've been taking to um, trying to get some sort of wall up first. Like, the first thing I do is get everybody underground and then put a wall around the stairs going into the fort and then do the, you know, just the regular door and then I replace it with a drawbridge as soon as I can. And then I've been trying to put some kind of a, in, like, fortifications around the second layer of the wall so that, ideally, so the mark stores can get up there and start throwing their crossbows at the at the um, invaders. But, um, but yeah, I haven't had a successful, you know, siege repel with that. So far, the undead just kind of come and stay right around the top of the map and then don't really do anything, don't come down by the fort at all. So that's a bit sad to see them so close, but yet so far away, not coming into range of my archers, crossbows. So did you continue working on your glass factory fortress, Tony? So I did. That was going really well. And I was um, I was starting to churn out all kinds of you know awesome glass stuff. And then as I had tunneled down into the cavern layers to build the magma infrastructure to support it, I hadn't realized that there was one particular cavern that they'd punched into and we hadn't built a wall in the right place. And so there was a perfect diagonal access of an unbuilt wall, like where they'd sort of built the wall out of order. Right. You know, if they build the first one, then they can't build the diagonal because they're idiots. And I just hadn't realized that. And then so a forgotten beast in the form of a hairless goose came in and poison spittled everyone in the fort to death. And that was the end of that fort. <laughs> Whoopsie doopsie. Fun. Fun to watch it go, though. Like, oh, well, let's see what happens. Oh, yep, yep, it's going to, well, it won. Okay, then that's that. So, yeah, now we're on to phase two of that approach. And um, so I'm, I'm, you know, where there's a dwarven will, there's a way. We'll get there. We'll strive to persevere. Well, I had an interesting thing happen, and I'll do a little bit better planning next time. I actually worked around it, but... I had a fortress that my my embark was in a valley. Typically, I like to dig into the side of a, a mountain and do it that way. But uh, this one was such that it, I would have had to have walked way too far away from my wagon to have built into the side of a mountain. So I um, channeled out a five by five square and built down as you do. Right. So. One of the first things that I wanted to do was was have a security so that if any zombies came, they wouldn't be able to just come down into my fort. So I set up, I got everything in from the from the wagon into the first couple levels of underground, and then I built a, a bridge over my uh, my five by five or whatever it was channeled area. So that the plan was, so I'm going to just build this bridge that will I'll hook it up to a lever, and whenever 
enemies come, I'll just shut that bridge down. And the bridge was like, you know, eight by eight. So it fully covered the hole. Well, <laughs> poor planning. I didn't even have a mechanics shop whenever I built this bridge. So I built this bridge and it sealed off my fortress <laughs> from the outside and I had no way to open the bridge. Oh, dear. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was was after I figured out that I wasn't going to be able to get outside any other way, I built a side tunnel. And finally, for the first time, I was able to build upwards and out instead of downwards and in to get to the outside. So I dug out from the bottom to get out to it. So so it, it ended up being fine, but it was kind of amusing that I had a, some dwarves that were just sitting outside in the open. And if there had been any bad guys show up, they would have just been tough because they couldn't get in. <laughs> Well, I had used Roland's tip of glass making where you use a manager to do an infinite order of collect sand. And that seemed to get them to actually, you know, not have that whole no bag, no bag, no bag thing. So that that was good. If you had enough leather bags on hand, they sort of got to it and did, did what you needed them to do. So that was cool. So they actually did make glass, which was fun. This, I haven't had much luck with actual glass making yet. So that was cool. But, um, but yeah, I just need to not let the fort die. So that's step two is to keep the fort alive and then uh, take <laughs> it from there. Don't let the fort die. Yes. <laughs> you, you'd think it was step one, but it isn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hold on, otherwise hold on guys. Hold on. Dying fast. Oh, yep. Hold on. I've got a problem here. Cat, cat, cat. Oh, uh, no, it's not cat. It's a, it's a problem with my recording. All right, I'm going to have to kill that, and I'm going to have you and Tony share a channel. Oh, it's going to be crowded in here. Okay, talk to me now, Roland. Um, yes, Lizardmen. Okay. I have many Lizardmen. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. Okay, so that should be close enough. Dang. Oh, well. Okay, so where were we? Nightwings. What's that? What are night wings? What are buffalo wings? No, night no, wings. night wings. Sounds like a an entree at a at one of those chain restaurants. I thought it sounded like a motorcycle from Honda. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, okay. It's a humanoid jackal with wings. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> um. Anyway. Okay. Yes. So where were we? Uh. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a great question. Um. Well. Undead sieges, sieges, glass industries. Yeah, yeah, you were. Yeah, so that's where uh, you had just said that you had had your manager, your manager set an infinite sand fill order, and I think that that Roland was starting to uh, comment on that, and that's where I realized that I wasn't recording him anymore. Right. Yep. Let's make the joke again. Haha. <laughs> definitely going to be funnier the second time. Um. <laughs> Um, um, I don't remember what I said. All right. Uh, yeah. So I would just say that the whole that whole tip that you gave about sand and putting somebody on it, setting that order, um, was a good one. That seemed to really work because when you use the manager to set infinite sand collection, they fill the bags and then they make the glass, and then when the bags are empty, they don't complain about it. They just go fill the bags again. So that's pretty neat. It seems to actually make glass work, um, so that's pretty cool. I'm very happy to see that suddenly working. So, 
that is a nice segue into one of the other things that I wanted to talk about today. Could you two explain to me the details and the workflow of how making glass happens? Collect sand, make glass. That's basically, that'll get you green glass. So and there's, there's uh, well, wait, 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 wait. Let's stop at the very, very, very beginning, okay? When a furnace um, and another furnace love each other very much. Okay, so there's <laughs> furnaces involved. Yes. That's okay. Right. Didn't that's know right. that. Yes. I, uh, yeah, glossed over that. Right. Well, obviously, the first thing you need are bags to fill with sand because, you know, your dwarfs can't just pick up a bit of sand and bring it to the furnace. Um, they, they need bags. So you need some kind of clothing industry. So either above ground crops like hemp or below ground uh, pigtails. There's always the option of just going the route where you tan stuff and have leather. Leather bags work just as fine, and in my mind, some of them look way cooler. I mean, jackal leather or stuff like that definitely looks cooler like a normal handbag. Um, anyway, as soon as you have bags, they can be used to fill with sand. But your dwarfs are not smart enough to actually know what sand is. You have to tell them what the hell sand is and where to get it. Is that kind of like yeah, sometimes you'll have to source water so you have to tell them there's this is a source of sand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly okay. like, uh, like that. You go through your map and just look where the hell you have a bit of sand or clay. That actually is the very same. You either set it to sand or you either set it to clay. And um, the difference here is uh, just uh, that clay doesn't need a bag. The cool thing about it is you can set it in your entrance. For example, if you channel down and you have a bit of sand, you can just set it right there. You have no problems whatsoever because a tile of clay or sand is unlimited. Your dwarfs can get sand unlimited from a single tile. So you don't have to worry about them ever like deconstructing a tile or emptying a tile. A tile of sand is absolutely unlimited. There's a lot of sand. There's a lot of sand. Okay. Uh, so that's pretty neat. You, you basically just need a single tile with sand. I have somewhere even a info chart that says what the hell clay is and what sand and what's the difference between those two. But that's, you, you don't need to know that, okay? If you hover like with your mouse over it, it basically highlights sand or clay or none of it. And as soon as you have set up a specific tile, constructing a glass furnace. Same as a normal furnace, you need a bit of fire-safe material, a bit of wood to make it. You, you could also make a magma glass furnace, which doesn't need fuel, but that's same as any first, uh, furnace, basically. And then you have the option to say you, to your dwarfs, collect sand. And then, only then, they will start taking a bag, going to the collect spot, filling the bag with sand and then leaving the bag with sand at the exact spot where they filled it. Um, 
<laughs> yes, that is true. That is extraordinary, but true. Yep. Yeah, and and then somebody else, not them, but somebody else can go there and take the bag and use it to make glass. Presumably um, the mind. one that wants to make this the glass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you actually set up your sand collecting spot in your fortress entrance, you have a lot of sandbags like. Okay, so let's step back one one step here. So whenever they've they've got the sand, actually this is stepping forward a step, uh, and I guess I probably just shouldn't have interrupted you. I will go backwards later. So after they have collected the sand, you've sent. So do you have to tell the dwarves to go get the sand and bring it back to the to the glass workshop? Is there a uh, workshop for glass specifically? Yes, uh, it's the glass, glass furnace. Glass furnace. furnace. Okay. So whenever you tell, uh, whenever you assign a job to the glass furnace of uh, create glass, is at that point will they go collect the sand from the spot where the dwarves filled the sandbag and then bring it in? Much like much like a, a stone crafter will go out and get a stone and bring it back to the stone workshop or bring it back to the workshop. Uh, at yeah. that So so you tell it make glass and he goes out and grabs the sandbag and comes back and burns it yeah. um but you have so so collecting the sand and using the sand are two different jobs uh that is right. weird uh, but this is the the very baseline um collecting sand one job making something of the collected sand another job uh, you still have the bag the bag doesn't get wasted in the process you can refill it which is pretty neat um and there are three types of glass and depending on what kind of glass you want you also have a bit of different uh, ingredients for them if you just have sand it doesn't matter what kind of sand so black sand yellow sand red sand whatever sand it all becomes green glass which is the standard glass, basically. The glass that elves like. Hmm? The glass that elves like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, then we have the clear glass, which also needs peer lash. And we have crystal glass uh, that needs rock crystal and peer lash. I think crystal glass and clear glass are similar in, in the price, in the pricing. And green glass is the lowest in price. Can you do things with crystal glass that you cannot do with clear glass? No, it's it's really all the same. It's um, just the value and the time they need to to make something. So um, I think green glass is fairly quick to make, while crystal glass takes a while. Hmm. I think so. With your glass furnace, you can use magma as a source for the fuel for the for the glass furnace. Uh, mm-hmm. Besides that, you can't just burn wood. You have to make charcoal first, right? Yeah, yeah, the normal fuel. Okay, so so you have a regular wood burning furnace or a wood burning workshop to make your charcoal. You can take that charcoal and use that in the glass furnace or magma if you uh, if you're lucky enough to have a magma source, right? You got it. Okay. Hair lash is the one that I'm not very good at 
making. I always have to go to the is, what do you call it to figure out how to do that. Is Paralash and Potash the same thing? No, they're different. Um, it requires um, a bit of Potash to make and Paralash is produced at the kiln so you need a, a new workshop for that. It's a type I of think. salt in the real world, but I don't yeah, know. You, you need something else, I think. It's, is it just potash? I'm not sure. Let's try it and see. I'm, I'm about to undergo this having... Oh, you know what? My, my hot tip of the, of the week that everyone else probably knew about, but I'm just slow and hadn't come to that conclusion yet, was I always would spend lots of time building these really complicated wells where I would bring water in from the surface and have conduits and ducts and floodgates and all this stuff to plumb the fortress. And then I just realized in a pinch, all you need to do is dig straight down and you find a place where there's water in the caverns and then you go two layers above it or one layer above it or whatever, punch a hole in it, build a well, Bob's your uncle, you're done. I'm like, why did I never think of this? <laughs> why? <laughs> so many dead dwarves. <sighs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. Talking about Peerlash, it says that Peerlash is the most labor-intensive product in the game. Oh, um, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, because it actually needs not only a kiln, but you also need a wood furnace and an ashery, which are three workshops, which would use maybe three dwarfs to handle it to make one unit of peel ash so first thing you you need is wood which you burn to ash in the wood furnace then you make the ash to potash at an ashery it's a lot of ash right there and then you need the kiln to make potash and then you you, you make peel ash out of potash at the kiln and for every single step, you need fuel. So that is oof, really fuel intensive. And the fuel can either be charcoal or magma. Magma. What about magma? Yeah. What about bituminous coal? Can you burn that? Bituminous coal is a type of fuel, but to access that fuel, you actually need a smelter which then turns one unit of fuel into like five or eight. I don't remember, something of that. But it's basically a massive snowball system where you have one unit of wood coal and you have a bit of bituminous coal and you make a lot of bituminous coal and then it's a snowball. So yeah, but you, you need a smelter to access the so to say, hidden properties of right. any stone coal. Much like much like an ore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so if I'm if I want to build a glass, then I need to collect wood and I need to uh take a wood burning furnace and make ash, right? Well, if you really need clear glass, then what you need is uh, wood, um, a wood furnace, an ashery, which also needs, I think, a barrel and a bucket to build, or just a bucket, I think. Well, and 
a kiln, which is also a type of um, furnace. And as soon as you have that, you can actually build the uh, glass furnace and then make clear glass. Instead of making green glass, you only need wood, a wood furnace to make it into fuel, and sand. Cool. Okay. So I just pulled up on the Dwarf Fortress wiki the glass industry page and there's a nice uh, a nice flow chart there that talks about uh, what you guys uh, have just detailed for me so I appreciate that it's uh, it's one of the mystery parts of the game that I have not touched yet and uh, next week I think that we're going to uh, we're going to talk about cheese making which also sounds like it's a fairly complicated process actually that one's not too bad you can semi-automate that um, yeah you can semi-automate cheese making just by having it having a manager milk the animals and then make cheese as long as you have milk you make cheese oh. and you do it at a farmer's workshop it's really not that's not too bad okay all things so that's considered. fine okay um so sh- should i go over like milking Fairly quickly because yeah, sure. Why cheesy. not? We'll we'll just we'll cover cheese making this week too, and next week we'll talk about soap. Nice. Okay, <laughs> so um, because I made a cheese fortress, I seem to be uh, now well acquainted with the essence of cheese. Um, so for cheese, what you the first thing you actually need it's insane, but you need a milkable animal uh, because. <laughs> With no like cow or pig or whatever, you can't actually make milk. Can you milk your um, cats? No, cat milk does not work. <laughs> no, doesn't exist. Sadly. Um, so like yucks, llamas, alpacas, reindeers, pigs, uh, whatever you want, put it in a pasture. And the best thing that you can actually do is. Put the farmer's workshop right into the pasture because the milkers seem to be a bit careless and sometimes they milk an animal and just leave it free. Like, let it run and it runs through your fortress. Like, it's like, oh my god, what is going on? And nobody cares. Um, that's quite annoying. Um, so put it, put it just in the pasture. So, right, right. It's easier. Um, the next thing you want is uh, a manager that is that sets milk an animal at an unlimited number. So your dwarfs will always milk an animal as soon as they can, because you know animals don't produce uh, milk every single second, so they need a bit of you know recharging, so to say. Um, the thing you need is a bucket to milk it, I think. And no, actually, that's wrong. You don't need a bucket because they are in a workshop. Uh, you just need the workshop and not a bucket. But you need a barrel to store the milk. Um, and if you have set it to repeat order and you have a lot of animals and a lot of milkers, you also need a lot of barrels because as soon as a barrel is taken by dwarf for his job this barrel cannot be used by any other dwarf for maybe even the same job right. so if you have three milkers and three milkable animals you also 
would potentially need at least three uh, Pharma workshops and three barrels, or else they will do the job after another and not at the same time. So you've got your milk, and then you just tell the workshop to... Was it in a kitchen? Is it where does where does cheese get made? It's Work, all, in the, all in the farmer's workshop. Okay, and you don't need anything else. You just need milkable animals, a lot of barrels, and then you have already cheese. And the thing is, neither cheese nor milk actually spoils, so you could potentially just let the milk stuff run along for a while, then check on it, see you have a lot of milk, and then cheese it. Uh, cheese it. Um, make all the milk into cheese at, at one point. Could also use the manager just to say make uh, cheese unlimited number, may uh, milk an animal unlimited number, and then it just runs along and you check on it like two months later and you see, oh my god, I have like 200 cheeses, or you, you check a month later and you have like 2,000 cheeses. Uh, also, one thing to remember, I thought that dwarves could drink milk. They cannot. They cannot drink milk. I had figured so that out. So it makes sense yeah. uh, to just store milk in your uh, kitchen or somewhere, in your stockpiles. They cannot drink it. They cannot produce anything out of it. They cannot make it into food or cook it in a meal, they can only make it into cheese. Um, so if you have milk barrels, the only thing you can basically do with the milk barrel is make it into cheese or sell it to the traders. Cool. All right. Um, they do. There's a lot of spam associated with milking. Like if you give it an infinite milking order, they'll tell you many, many times that something can't be milked. There's no... There's no empty animal or whatever it says so or if there's no milk and the cheese orders there yeah it'll say cannot milk animal no creature cannot shave animal no creature so there's just just a lot of spam that can come with it that's i guess one side thing if you don't want to micromanage turning it on and off just be prepared to see a lot of red text in your log and tony i know that you uh set up a milking uh pen in uh, lurid whips so. ah yes very important to have milking everyone loves the cheese yeah so yes and speaking of lurid whips i am planning on picking that fortress back up i'll go ahead and still use the the 4403 uh or 44 actually 4412 whatever it was that was before 47 uh because just because well, what do you guys think? Maybe this is the time. Let's, let's bring this into the modern era. Let's let's roll a new one and see what the heck happens. Let's go fight some undead. What? Is, so is uh is you want to use the meth tile set as well or? Oh no, I was thinking. Why don't we just use the PE Paradexus Aeron set and then we can all just choose whatever tile sets we like. How's that sound for a, an exciting way to do this? That sounds all right. Yeah, I think we can that do might that. be a little easier. Yeah. You mean the lazy nupa? Yeah. Yeah, what do you think on a 4704? Because now it's kind of stable. I would say I haven't had any problems with it. I'm fine with that. So we'll oh, retire yeah, right. or whips. It was, we'll call that a, a ramp up. That's right. That was that was a gateway fort. Yeah. Is that okay with you, yeah, Roland? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, a, I'm totally in, yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you what. 
I will, as last time, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and start it off, and then uh, whenever uh, <laughs> whenever my year's up, I can pass it on to one of you two, and you guys can critique my fortress starting and see if it actually happens a little bit better this time than it did previously, because I have learned, really, I've learned a lot since we first started that fortress, what was that, six yeah. months ago, eight months ago? Oh, it's yeah, it's been quite a while, so... Yeah. So okay. do you want to do uh, 250 years or 125 or what are you thinking? What's what's possible? I was thinking just the, the 250, the, the default. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. With all the defaults and uh, 250 years and all the things that whenever you just turn on the the uh, the the world generation, it just does it. So, yeah. Cool. Do you want to do small world or medium world? Let's what's, do medium. What's your all right, let's do um, it. The, the, the only thing that I want to add is if there are no necromancer towers after the, the year 250, could you please run it along until we at least have one? Sure, sure. Be, be, because they kind of build towers outside of world gen, and I would love to have one. All, all of my worlds have had like like this world I'm playing now is one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and it's a small world so oh. it's it's very necromancery. Yeah, I I doubt that it will happen, but I mean, just making sure you know that we have at least one tower. I could uh, so attack. make sure that the world has at least one tower. Yes. Okay, and I think that I'm going to actually record the video of the uh, of the world generation, oh, and yeah. and so that we'll have it for maybe streaming it at some point, or maybe posting it to our new YouTube channel that I have got set up. So, yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So, nice. rest in peace, Lord Whips. You lived shortly, but you lived brightly. Maybe. <laughs> yep, that sounds good. And then long may the new not so lurid whips happen so the, here's another question do i make up a cool name or do i just take what's random honestly uh, random i'm a big i love random yeah okay cool random and we will we will mold the fort around its name wonderful okay okay well that's uh really all i have for today we're coming up on an hour of recording fantastic here we go so, so i suppose you guys be safe and everybody out there listening uh, hope you enjoy uh, the podcast stay away from the covids okay so this has been dwarf fortress roundtable everybody have a great couple weeks and we'll see you back here next time see you bye bye this has been dwarf fortress roundtable the podcast for all things dwarfy you can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Q. Ellen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more music from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, you can find us on Patreon. Links to all of these are in the show notes.